think I think if I waited for everybody to settle in, it'd be a while. So I'll go ahead and <laughs> I'll go ahead and get started. Um, I'm speaking today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm not nervous. I haven't been nervous. <laughs> that scares me a little bit, actually. Um, it does because I, I don't do this all the time. I rarely. I rarely do this, um, but I felt like I was supposed to do this today. I am leaky. Thank you, my friend Tina. But I, there is a trick that if you have water and you're drinking, you can't uh, cry. It works like 90% of the time. So, But I do have something I feel like the Lord has uh, been showing me, and I wanted to just share it with y'all because um, I'm learning. I'm learning this right now. I'm being reminded of this right now. Um, but yesterday, to kind of get me inspired and to, to jump off on this, I went and saw Mama Betty. If y'all want a blessing, if you want to be encouraged, go to Northbrook and visit Mama Betty because she's a blessing. And so she, I get in her room, and we're talking and visiting, and I said, Mama Betty, I want to ask you a question. I said, I want to ask you about the first time you fell in love with Jesus. Water. <laughs> and I wish I would have been able to record it. I don't think she would have been comfortable with it. So I just tried to remember and, and write it down because I know it would bless y'all if you could hear it in her voice today. But she said, <laughs> she said she answered an altar call, 13 years old. And she instantly fell in love with Jesus. That's when he first pulled on her heart. <clears throat> she said she felt the love of God overwhelm her. She felt his presence so deep in her heart. She couldn't stop moving her mouth, telling him how much she loved him. She said the Holy Spirit was filling her at that time. She never wanted that moment to end and that feeling. She said if she would have stayed in that moment... She probably wouldn't have ever had children. That she would have never even looked for another relationship to fill the relationship between her and Jesus. That spoke to me. Um, I'm thankful for all the relationships in my life. I'm so thankful for my husband and my children. I prayed to God for them. They were a miracle. If you don't know my testimony, that's not what I'm sharing today, but I can tell you another time. But uh, Francis Chan wrote a book called Crazy Love a few years ago, and in that he cautioned us as Christians not to make idols of our children and our spouses and our friends, but to put him first and to love him most. And I was reminded of that yesterday when Miss Betty was sharing that story. I want to talk to you today about my first love, our first love, and I might stick to my notes quite a bit, and this may be like story time with Haley, but um, especially since I got these guys doing crisscross applesauce up here on the front row, but, um, but I heard a speaker, and this kind of what inspired me to talk about this today. His name's Robert Hilton. He's an older pastor from East Tennessee, and he's real soft-spoken. But when he, I've heard him speak twice. Jeremy was with me the first time. And when he speaks, you just feel the presence of God. You feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you just feel moved 
to live better and to do better. And he was talking about the prophet Jeremiah and how he loved God and how when God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah gave God his all. So being an educator, I did not go to seminary. I'm a teacher. So I, don't, I have to study the word. I have to research. And um, researching is not my favorite thing to do or speaking in front of people. But I started researching Jeremiah, and I found out that he was called like a lot of the old, all the Old Testament prophets, he was called to deliver bad news. In the New Testament, they got to share the good news of the gospel, but in the Old Testament, they had to share bad news. He told the people that they were destroying themselves by continuing in their sin. His appeal to the people was issued over 40 years. For 40 years, he was telling the people what the Lord told him to tell the people, and they weren't really listening, and he didn't see a lot of fruit from that. And his results were limited. And he took that personally. I think all of us do sometimes. When we pour our hearts out to people and we don't see fruit. He took that personally. He was even known as the weeping prophet. I think I might be known as the weeping teacher. But he was known as the weeping prophet. But a couple things that I learned about him that I want to point out today is that he paid attention. He was sensitive to the crisis among the people. In Jeremiah 5.1, God told Jeremiah, Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem, look around and consider, search her squares, and if you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this whole city. The heart of man was in a very low place at that time. We, we think that um, it's that way now. It's, it's been that way. It's always been that way, and God's always needed prophets. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it cautions us to not be asleep concerning the world around us, but to be aware and to be equipped to serve others who are hurting and in need. The enemy wants to beat us down so that we're not equipped. He wants us to be discouraged and disappointed so that when the time comes when, we're in, when someone's in need, we're not ready. If what is happening in our world does not prompt us to prayer and to examine our spiritual condition, then we're of no use. It should move us to urgency, to concern about our family and our community. It should compel us to genuine evangelism. Jeremiah, another thing about Jeremiah was he was tenderhearted. He called the people of Judah, my dear people. He wasn't harsh. He called, he, called, he called them my dear people, and he delivered truth, but he delivered it with love and care. He didn't water down what God was saying, but he did it with love and with care, and he wept. He was a writer of Lamentations. If y'all didn't know that, I'm teaching you something today. If we're looking at Jeremiah as an example to us, we need to ask ourselves today, are we tenderhearted? Can we react to the ruin of sin with concern and not bitterness or hatred of people or fear? Having compassion and being compassionate. Compassion is what causes us to contribute to someone's need. Jesus looked out over the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them. He didn't speak at them, he spoke to them out of concern. And just like the Holy Spirit, it was guided by wisdom. Paul said in Galatians 6.1, 
Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore, such as one in the spirit of meekness. It's our job to restore, not to judge, but to restore. So those are some things I learned about Jeremiah as a person. And we forget sometimes that these people are real people, just ordinary people like us, with feelings and disappointments and fears. So let's look again at what tugged on my heart about Jeremiah to begin with. When God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah gave God his all. So let's look at Jeremiah 2, 1 through 3. It's so cool how they do that. I'm really going to stay at this table the whole time. I hope that doesn't bother anybody. The word of the Lord came to God, came to me. This is Jeremiah. He said, go and proclaim in the hearing of In the hearing of Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the firstfruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. I'm going to break apart this a little bit and talk about that because what God was saying to them, he's saying to me today, and I don't think I'm the only one. He was saying to them, I remember when you loved me. Let's think about that for a minute. I remember when you loved me. In Jeremiah 1, 5 through 9, we see the call of God on Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you and do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and the kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, and let's not forget the last part, to build and to plant. I want to back up a little bit where he told him, I have put your words in my mouth. How many of you have had the privilege of God telling you something by his spirit to speak to somebody else? Or to share with the group. And I think we get so comfortable with that. Sometimes we forget how in awe we should be. When he puts his words in our mouth. I just want to be relevant. You know, I want, I want to hear his voice. And I, want to, and I want to be obedient to tell people what he's telling me to tell them. And to see their lives changed. Even after that powerful encounter with the Lord, Jeremiah learned that our deepest hurts can come from those who who he sent us to help. I'm going to say that again because that's all of us. You don't have to be in ministry to understand that. Even after that powerful encounter with the Lord, Jeremiah learned that our deepest hurts can come from those who he sent us to help. Everybody had rejected Jeremiah. He was beaten and put in stocks. He'd suffered so much persecution that he had decided to quit. 
He wanted to quit teaching of the one who had called and appointed him. In Jeremiah 20, verses 7 and 8, he's talking to the Lord. Some of you may have had these conversations, and it's so nice that we have a father who lets us have these conversations. He said, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. How many of us could stand if that was our story? How, we, how many of us could stand and keep declaring the word if that was what we went through on a daily basis? Some of you do. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. It's like, can I just bring good news, God? So that the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But wait, in the very next verse, Jeremiah changes his tune like so many of us in verse 20 and 9. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. No matter how weary he was of his disappointment and his hurt and his frustration, it made him more tired to try to hold in what God was speaking to him because it was like a fire shut up in his bones. Jeremiah was too on fire to quit. He was young, and he was on fire. I'm so inspired by these young people in this building. I get to spend a lot of time with them, and they get on my nerves. And I get on their nerves, but we love each other. But more than anything, I'm inspired by them and the fire that's in them and the excitement for the things of God. And they're not perfect and thank God he uses imperfect or ordinary people to do what he's called us to do. But I, I heard this, um, it was a message by Bill Johnson. He's another guy I really like. And on January 4th of this year, he, shared, he was sharing a message and it began very prophetically. And so I wrote this down and I believe it's, it's for, it wasn't just for his church, it was for, for, all the, for the generation. So receive this young people says, the Lord will release a generational anointing. God is working through them to change the world around them. In Isaiah 64, 1, he said, oh, that you would rend the heavens. I love how our worship team is led by the Holy Spirit and just confirmed to me. I think that's why I'm not nervous right now, because when Thomas said that today, I was like, okay, God, I might be going in the right direction here. <laughs> oh, that you would rend the heavens. Rend is a word that means split open. You know, it's not like cut in half. It's rend. It's rip it open. Rip open the heavens and give us an open heaven. We see that word again. In Matthew, we hear the word rend again when the veil in the temple was rent and the rocks even were broken in two. He's given you guys an open heaven. All of us. I'm going to get to that. It's not just for them. But he's given us an open heaven. This generation will be stewards of an anointing. I knew today when I brought this word that I was a steward of this word. There's things that I've been given stewardship over just like you. I'm in charge of those things. And I take those things very seriously. And I want you all to take that very seriously. Because I believe that this generation has been called to steward an anointing. They will carry the manifest presence of God. It will convict sin, and people will turn to God. 
this is the best part. Well, maybe not. Maybe to me it is. All the demonic opposition that clouds the minds of men will be broken. Think about the people in our lives, guys. Their, their minds are twisted and their thought processes and we pray for them. There is anointing that will break that yoke and the minds of men, the, cloud, the, the opposition that clouds the minds of men will be broken and his presence will come, up, come and be among us and change the consciousness of the people around us. Well, carries are of that anointing. Well, I, I mean, after all, this isn't like a 2018 prophecy. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. A generation that will not be intimidated and cower to darkness, not live in reaction to the powers of darkness, but in response to the Father. Not always be reacting to everything going around and, okay, this happened, so this is how I'm going to react to it by the word, but to be hearing the Father's voice more and being ahead of the game. Jesus said, I do what I see my Father do and I say what I hear my father say. If you would come up, Megan. I'm, I, I'm not going to take very long today. It's for us too, old people. <laughs> After all, he, he's no respecter of persons. But here's, here's what I think the Lord is saying to us older people. More seasoned, let's say that. That's what I think the Lord's saying to us more seasoned people today. We must return to our first love. We must. David prayed a prayer. He'd seen a lot, done a lot, and he prayed a prayer. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, create is something I heard Beth Moore say a long time ago. We can't do that. I teach the kids all the time. If they were in here, they would tell you, create is something only God can do. We can't fix our heart. We can't make it clean. We can't make it new. But by his Holy Spirit, he can create in us a clean heart. And he can renew a right spirit in us. Jeremiah 2.2. I'm going back to this again. He said, I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me. And followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. A couple of things that I was reminded of. When I thought about it, I remember when you loved me. Mama Betty said that when she had that encounter at 13 years old, she remembered feeling so much love for others. She had no harsh feelings toward anyone. Anyone in her life. She remembered when she was kind. She wanted to be kind to everybody. Now, we all know Mama Betty. She generally is kind to everybody. But remember when we couldn't wait to linger in his presence? Every answer we need can be found in his presence and in intimacy with him. I remember when Jeremy and I first started dating, I fell in love with him first because I'm more led by the Spirit. But 
<laughs> but I, I remember that he would drive from Memphis to pick me up in his car without air conditioning. And some of you remember. Some of you are onlookers at this. And we drive all the way back to Memphis for our date. And ridiculous stuff like that, you know. You just put the miles on the road just to see each other and, and stay on the phone. And that's before you had, you know, what is it, endless amount of time that you could talk. I don't forget what it's called, but unlimited, yes, thank you. So that was a, like a phone bill that my parents charged me for, and his did too, I'm sure. But we just wanted to spend time together. We just wanted to be together. We'd write, we'd get these silly cards, and we'd like write as small as we could and fill every page on the card with how we thought about each other and how we admired each other and how we loved each other. I still have them. <laughs> I hear Jesus saying today, I remember when you would follow me anywhere. You'd do it for free. You'd fall on the altar and surrender. I'm sorry, he's convicting my heart today. We can't withdraw from him in the difficult days, y'all. We cannot. We've got to run to him. We're asking the Lord to stir our faith, to risk obedience, renew us with a sense of adventure. Israel had the Ark of the Covenant with them. And they camped around it. They camped around the presence of God. <clears throat> we don't have to have a physical location to do that. We can do that in our home, in our car. We can camp around the presence of the Lord. Oh, sorry about that. I love music. I love songs. I love hymns. I love all kinds of music even rap, believe it or not. But even though I can't sing, I can remember every word to a song. And there's a couple songs that have just transformed my life over the years. One of them, I remember I was a young girl and I went to a women's conference with my mom because she was going to take me shopping. Yeah, I mean, I said, yeah, I was like 17. And, um, and I'd, I was saved. But there's a difference and falling in love with Jesus. And I had all I had plans, I had agendas, I had relationships, I had this thing set. And I'm standing in this women com women's conference and this song comes on. Well, the choir are singing it. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice. And it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate, this is the one that got me. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. By the power of grace divine, 
Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. I surrendered that day. I surrendered and I, and I had the courage to be obedient, to break off the things and change the plans and say whatever you want, God. And I'm so thankful for that day. I don't know where I would be otherwise. And then another day that I remember a specific song. And I know some of you, are, when I'm saying this, the song that you remember that pulled and tugged at your heart at the time when you fell in love with Jesus and you fell on that altar is probably running through your mind. But I was on the Navajo Indian Reservation in a little church there. Some of you know which church I'm talking about. The, but there was a small little church there, and we were having worship, and it actually had a floor, but it was dirty. But I was just face down on this floor, and Pastor Rick was leading us in an old Keith Green song. And the main parts of it that stick out today was, Oh, Lord, you're beautiful, and your face is all I see. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. We've got to have more face time. I'm so thankful for his hand and how he provides for us. I could tell you story after story about his hand today in my life. But I don't have as many stories about my face time. And we've got to seek his face and not his hand. goes on to say, oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. I want to take your word and shine it all around, but first help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown, for my reward is giving glory to you. God, help us. We need you so desperately, God. Thank you, God, for drawing me to you so long ago. So many of us in here have that testimony. It could have went so many different ways. But you grabbed our heart and pulled us in. And God, I just pray today that you're grabbing people's hearts in this room. And pulling them in for the first time, God, or pulling them back in, God. I ask today, God, that in my own life you create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, God. I want what Miss Betty talked about. I can't stop moving my mouth telling you how much I love you. I don't have a harsh feeling towards anybody in my heart. That only comes from you, Jesus. We need you, God. We need your face, Lord. Draw us near. I love this sweet presence of the Lord in this place today.